How are we, church? Good? One person's good. How are we, church? Awesome. All right. Thanks for letting me talk to you again. It's all exciting. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I um, started on uh, pursuing the presence and talking about how um, worship is sacrifice. And so I'm going to continue on with that today and a couple more points about what um, worship is. And um, as much as sacrifice runs through the whole of um, worship, there's other aspects to it as well. So when you go into um, it being a sacrifice, there's little you know, facets and side parts to that. So I want to just sort of explore those a little bit today. Um, some of us, when we think of worship, we um, the first thing that pops into our head is music and the fact that... Um, a praise song is fast and a worship song is slow and that's just how it is and how it works and stuff. But it's so much more than that. And I spoke to you um, two weeks ago and about how worship is sacrifice. And in Romans 11:36 to 12 verse 1, it says, To him be the glory forever. Amen. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So not only are we presenting our bodies as living sacrifices, but it clearly says that that is our spiritual worship. So music is one, just one facet of um, worship, albeit an important one. Um, and there may be some people who think, oh, but I can't sing in key, or I don't like clapping, it makes me look funny, or my personality just isn't that one that's particularly animated. Um, but that's not really what it's about. Um, we often forget that worship is about what action, what the action will, it's not about, sorry, what the action will do for us. It's us giving God what he deserves. It's us giving him glory and it's us giving him um, what, what we were designed to do. We were made to love him. We were made to worship him. And so when we come on a Sunday, it's not about whether or not we like the song or whether or not it's fast enough or slow enough. It's about doing what we were designed to do um, and in Psalm 95 verse 1 to 2 it says oh come let us sing to the Lord those who can sing in key no it doesn't let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation if we feel like it let us come into his presence with thanksgiving sometimes and let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise if we're not tired. No, he doesn't say that at all, guys. It says, let us sing to the Lord. There's no if, and, or but in there. Let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. And you know what? It doesn't matter what way you think you should worship God because that's between you and him. It's not about the person next to you. It's not about the people on the stage. It's not about how the music is going of that morning. God designed you. He knows exactly what you are like. He knows your ins and outs. He knows the amount of hairs on your head. So he knows if you can't sing in key. Do you think he minds? No, that's how he made you. He just wants to hear from you. He wants to have that relationship with you. He wants to have a connection with you and we sort of get to the point where we're too worried about, well, the person next to me will hear me singing a bit funny. Don't worry about it. It's not about them. It's about you and God. The Bible also references dancing, shouting and clapping and lifting of hands as form of worship, but we forget that it's even so much more than that. 
we forget that we're showing love, adoration and affection to our God. And these are just some of the actions that we choose to, um, to portray that. And worship is literally being affectionate to the one who died so that you can live. Um, worship deals with the intent of the heart, the affection that is shown and the concept of the mind. So in other words, anything that you are showing affection to, you pay no attention to anything else. Um, as I touched on last week, if I was in a relationship where I got no response, no affection and no attention, it wouldn't be a fulfilling relationship. And so true worship is recognizing that you want to show affection to the God of your salvation and nothing else matters. Not your tiredness, not if you feel sick, not if you want to go home. Nothing else matters except for worshiping your God because it is what we are designed and made to do. That's your goal and that's your purpose. And, you know, in my own personal experience, the minute that I stopped worrying about what songs I chose... The minute I stopped worrying about whether I was tired or whether my throat was sore or whether I sounded off key or whatever I was putting in the way, that's when I had that connection. That's when I had breakthrough because worship opens the doors to things that you will not see or recognize until you do it. Um, The minute I took my, my eyes off of myself and put them on him, that was the minute that I got new revelation and a new touch from God. Um, And as I said earlier, these are just some of the things that we can do by raising our hands and things. And it it does say in the Bible to do that, so it's not necessarily a, a choice, but, you know, God has made you each different, and so you can worship God in the ways that you want to. It's not just about music, though. Worship is... um seeing an open door where God can use you and walking through it with a willing heart. Um, It's about using the skills and the talents that God has given you and using them to glorify his name. And I believe that comparison will be the number one killer of um, people doing what God wants them to do in this generation. Saying, oh, but I I can't do that as well as him or I can't do this in the same time that she does that. That's not what it's about. You have something in your heart that is different than anyone else's and you're wired that way for a reason. We have to live in the right now because God has called us all to do something right now. So if there's something burning in your spirit that you think, oh, but I'm not sure if I'm good enough. I'm not sure if I'm, I'm not, I'm sure if, not sure if I can do that, God. God wants to tell you he has something greater in store. It's not about how you feel. It's about what you are going to do to advance his kingdom. So you need to take that step out in faith, whether it be in regards to worship or witnessing or doing anything for God. You just need to make that step and God will do the rest for you. Um, and also worship is a journey. It's not, it's not an instant connection all the time, unfortunately. It would be great if it is. But because we are the way we are and we're humans and we, we have fault and sin and all that sort of thing, sometimes it takes us a while to sort of get into that place where God's able, not God's able to speak to us, where we're able to hear him, where we're able to sit still and go, okay, I'm ready now, God. Um, Jesus paid everything for us to be able to be close to him. He went as far as he could possibly go to be close to us and he made the ultimate sacrifice. But there's still 
a space between us. And the space is caused by us giving something or someone that place instead of God. Worship closes that space. Worship draws us closer to God to close that space. And it's a constant choice to come and meet, to ask God to come and meet with us and to fill the space. And our sacrifice of praise is a huge deal to God, absolutely huge, because um, even though it doesn't feel big to us and we think all I have to give is me and that's not very much, to God it's everything that he desires. If God could have one one weakness it would be a worshipper um he desires a relationship with you and when we recognize the space and we want to fill it people often expect to be where they left off in an instant so where we were last week oh that's where we'll be you know as soon as we start but the journey takes time just like any other relationship um the all-knowing all-powerful omnipotent god seeks a worshipper in John 4:23 it says but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father is seeking such people to worship him what an amazing thought to think that the god of the universe searches for us he searches for those who he can have a two-sided relationship with him and some of us are living in a dangerous place right now where a Sunday's worship is the only time that we're refueling. A Sunday's worship is the only time that, that we're, we're stopping and going, okay, God, I'll give you some of that time that you wanted now. Um, and the only way that we have breakthrough is through someone else's mouth. If someone else is giving a word, if someone else is doing something, we're only hearing things. We're not walking in the gifts that God has given us. We're not taking hold of the Holy Spirit that has been given to us as a friend and as our comforter that God left for us to, to use and to, to connect with him with. We're waiting for someone else to do something, guys. Come on, we need to start stepping into the things that God has given us. We need to start raising our hands and clapping and jumping and dancing and doing anything that we have to do to show God how thankful we are for what he's given us and how much we love him. Um, And we need to safeguard our quiet times with God as well, um, where we just sit down in our hearts and we just let God do what he needs to do. Because God is all about firsts. It talks in the Bible about how you give your first fruit to God. And that doesn't just mean money. It means your first time, your first attention, your first adoration, your first love. Um, He wants our first fruits and the first of ourselves. And then, you know what, we reap what we sow. And when when we give God the first of ourselves, he gives us back the first of him. And that's the best part about it. Because it's a pleasure to give God our first and then we get rewarded at the same time. It's it's just the most mind-boggling thing until you get your mind around the fact that no matter what you do in regards to worship, I don't care if you lay on the floor, if you cry, if you laugh at the same time, it does not matter because it is beautiful to God and that's what he's looking for. He is looking for a servant heart and he's looking for a worshipper's heart, someone who he can connect with, talk to and and have a relationship with. And the minute that we recognize that it doesn't matter what we look like, we just have to worship him is when we'll see breakthrough. Thanks, guys.
That's fantastic. Thanks, uh, Christian. Yeah, we're on this uh, journey as a church where we want to engage uh, all of us that call Champion Lakes Christian Church home and to just step up the level of corporate worship. There is great power when, as individuals, we worship at God and we touch God, but there is something even better when we gather together as the Church of Jesus Christ and uh, we open ourselves up to that manifested presence of God. That's when the miraculous breaks free. That's when we see signs and wonders. Who likes Mr. Bean? I love Mr. Bean. My wife hates Mr. Bean. She just wants to swat him. He's a naughty boy, silly, selfish little boy. I love Mr. Bean. And uh, one of the, th- the best skits that I think Mr. Bean does is the one where he gets onto the roller coaster. Have you seen that one? gets onto a roller coaster. He's gone to the fair and all these different things are happening. But he gets onto a roller coaster. What are you meant to do when you get on a roller coaster? Hold on. Scream. And if you're really brave, you put your hands in the air, don't you? <laughs> ah! They put Mr. Ben on the roller coaster. You know what he does? He goes to sleep. Everybody has a scream. Like... <laughs> it's stupid, isn't it? You're not meant to go to sleep on a roller coaster. Um, sometimes I think Christians are a bit like that. <laughs> we come into the presence of God and some of us go to sleep. There's, there's, there's something wrong if that's the case. And this is not to be uh, in any sense putting anybody down. But to say, how do we lift and push beyond the human dilemma? The human dilemma is that I am human. I am Wired to be selfish. I am wired for failure. I have a great ability to stuff anything up. That's, that's pretty well me. And then I've got to come into this thing and then touch this untouchable God, see this invisible God, talk to this God who generally doesn't talk back to me in an audible voice. This is a challenge, isn't it? This is the great dilemma. And yet it's the call to worship. Uh, John 4.23 talks about the Father's now looking. The time has come. The Father's looking for worshippers. And here's the call of God. We want you to join the worship team. I want everybody in this place to join our worship team. And I'm not talking about Thursday night coming to practice. I'm not talking all about coming to the stage. I'm saying you are our worship team. And when we worship together, we create a Holy Ghost atmosphere. The Bible says that the uh, God of Israel is enthroned upon the praises of His people. So as we praise God, we are recognizing His Lordship and His kinship, and literally we build a throne room for God to have His way amongst us. So, you know, there are different forms of the presence of God. There's what theologians would call the omnipresence of God. Omni stands for all, which simply is this idea that God is everywhere. The psalmist says in Psalm 139, even if I go to Sheol, the place of the grave, even God will be there. There's no place you can avoid God. The omnipresence of God, though, is that presence of God where He is everywhere. But generally, that presence is not sensed. He's here, but there's no understanding that is there. 
And so when you've come here to church today, some of you may have sensed the presence of God and others may not have sensed the presence of God, but God is here. He is definitely here. And in the book of Genesis, we have a story where Jacob comes to a place called Bethel and he parks his uh, body there at night, puts out a, uh, a stone as a pillow. I just don't get a stone as a pillow somehow. <laughs> puts his head on it and he has this revelation as he's sleeping. He has this dream and he sees angels ascending and descending. And he says, oh, this place is, this place is the very gateway to heaven. And he calls it Bethel. And he says these words, he says, this is awesome because God was in this place and I didn't even know it. The Bible says that when he woke up, he understood that he was in the presence of God. Some of us need to wake up. We need to wake up beyond the just the uh, understanding of the omnipresence of God, but to the reality that God in His manifested presence is here amongst His people. And if we'll wake up, we'll see that this is the place where there's angelic deliverance and healing and provision and miracles and chains being broken. We've opened up the gateway to heaven. Who would love this place to be a gateway to heaven for a lost and dying community? I would love that to be. But some of us need to wake up. God's in the house. Some years ago, I had a very uh, difficult counselling situation relating to a couple that had uh, sadly had experienced sudden infant death syndrome. They had a little baby. She was only a few months old, about four months old, little baby girl. And the couple come into the bedroom, they put her down at night, she'd been up at like 1 o'clock in the morning for a little bit of a, a turnaround and all the rest, and they go back in, in the early in the morning, you know, a little bit, she's normally up by this time, they go in and there's their little baby there, and then there's this moment where suddenly they're gripped by the fact that what should be alive is now dead, and they move into the horror of This baby's not waking up. Shaking the baby. Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! I wonder sometimes, in the Church of Jesus Christ, we've got some Christian babies who are failing to thrive. They aren't living on the oxygen of God's life, the breath of God coming into us. And we're not waking up. God wants the church to rise from its sleep. Ephesians chapter 5 talks about what things are going to be like in the end of the world as things are going to be full of darkness and troubles going upon the face of the earth. And the writer Paul says, What you've got to do is arise, O sleeper, and wake up. We serve a mighty God. Here's my theory, and Crystal's stolen most of my thunder, which is very good. But here's my theory. God wants to spend time with you. I'm convinced. I don't understand it. The God of the universe who created all the stars and the galaxies and the Milky Way and the millions of flowers and the, you know, all this incredible universe, this magnificent creation, he created that as a stage in order that the self-giving, self-disclosing, self-revealing God could actually have communion with you. 
I don't get it. With me. Not because he needed it. You know, Crystal's like, pushed the point. If God's got a weakness, he wants to spend time with Mike. But he does. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And you will spend your whole life and your whole eternity understanding what that means. When I said to my little boy Tristan, when he's just a little bitty baby in my hands, just been born fresh and pink with the rest, I says, I love you, son. He didn't really understand much what I was telling him. Then when, I, when he grew to two years, I told him I love him. He still didn't understand fully what that means. When he went to five, he still doesn't fully understand everything because we keep on growing in the knowledge of God's love. And worship is what God designed to enable us to come into contact with the living God. The word spirit in... Um, the word presence, sorry, presence in Hebrew is the same word that we translate as face. So God wants to meet with us face to face. Moses was the friend of God because he met with God face to face. Inside you today, there is presence. Yes, there's a body. This is my contemporary younger body. The hair just gives it away. There is a body. Is there a body here? There is. And if you're a human, you will also have a soul. You will have concerns and dreams and uh, issues of worry and what's going to make me happy and how do I pay the bills and the water rates have just come, yada, yada. You will have your soul realm. But if you're human... God has also created within you the ability to do that which is special, magic, supernatural, transcendent. It's the ability to look at a sunset and say, God, that is amazing. You have spirit. God is looking for those that will worship him in spirit. He is looking for you. He is looking for your spirit. He can't get your spirit here without you bringing your body. So thank you for bringing your body. I really don't buy the ones who stay home on Sunday watching the football says, but I was there in spirit. No, I need your body here. I need your body here in order for the rest of it. God's looking for your soul as well. He does want your personality. He doesn't want to wipe you. He actually wants to make you the best you can be. But ultimately, it's face to face. And God has done everything he can to make that happen. He created the universe. That's, that's pretty big. He created you. That's pretty big. He sent Jesus all the way from heaven to a cruel death on a cross 2,000 years ago that he can be with you. Wow. Not only that, but he raised him from the dead present him at the right hand of the Father, that he could pour out his Holy Spirit in you so that now that your spirit and the Holy Spirit can cooperate together, can actually work together. 
You don't have to think about so much because now you've got the ability to have your spirit entwined with his spirit like a rope is braided, like hair that's worn together, twined together. You've now got the Holy Spirit lifting you. You lift and he comes on and he can actually propel your worship all the way to heaven, open up the heavens and change our community. On uh, Thursday, uh, Gary Bow met with... Uh, with the police again in our community. And we have these incredible doors of opportunity of influence opening up to us as a church. We're now, this church is now praying and positioned and strategically working with key people in our community, the government sector, the hospital sector, the police sector. And uh, Gary tells me that the policeman says that the biggest thing that they're fighting here in Armadale, you've heard me say this before, is domestic violence. It is a serious issue where in this place, women and children, sometimes men, will be physically, emotionally abused over and over again. I believe this, that if we can actually lift the corporate anointing of this church, if we can open up a gateway, I believe things will change. I believe in revival. I believe that the Holy Spirit can actually begin to do things, but it comes about when God's people begin to join the worship team. As we acknowledge who God is, God says, well, let me show off to you. You know, it wouldn't be... I've been just wrestling with some of my illustrations today because I don't know how many are appropriate for a mixed audience. <laughs> so I take a risk here. I am dating my wife. We're not yet married. And she says to me, Mike, give me your very best kiss. Well, I'd be very excited about that. <laughs> I'd be very excited about that. So I'd be thinking, all right, get the hair back, you know, put in some false teeth, no, put in some, uh, put in some fresh mint, you know, get the back ready. Do you, is it cool now to do the back over one? Is that that's still cool? Is it? Oh, okay, Pete, I didn't know that. So you do the back over one, you know. So, you know, all that sort of thing. And I gave her my very best kiss. You know, I didn't hold back. I gave her my very best face suck possible. <laughs> and after that, there's no response. You know, not a tear in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you got bad breath. Just no response at all. How do you think I would feel? What do you think that does to the relationship? God's done his very best for us. He sent us Jesus. He has sent us the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and he's here with us today. And he wants us to be worshippers. So there is this sense of the fact that we could be at a Bethel where we don't know God's in the place. We just have to wake up. There's also the sense of the faith presence of God. Sometimes you may not feel God's in the place, but by faith you accept that he is. And that's like a next level up because we know that the Bible teaches us. Matthew 18, verse 20, where two or three are gathered together in the midst. I promise that I'm here. Jesus promised he'd be here today. He said he'd be here. Or Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18, where God says wherever... The, the assembly gathers together for praise and worship. God, Jesus himself, is in the congregation with us, worshipping the Father. How cool is that? 
God's in the house. Jesus is in the house. He's on the worship team already. <laughs> it's wonderful. So there's that sort of faith sense. And then ultimately there's the manifested presence of God. That's when, you know, the, the, there's a, a, a driving back of the forces of darkness. There is a, now a manifested presence in the house. Whether that's physical with a cloud or, you know, in the Old Testament there are a couple of settings when the cloud of God's glory would come. Whether that's a, a sense of weightiness in the congregation. But everybody knows. It's the felt presence of God. It's the manifested presence of God. Everybody knows God came to the house. And that's the goal where we want to be. In 1 Samuel chapter 26, the story is told of King Saul, who has now, out of jealousy, has got to a place where he is now being afflicted by an evil spirit. He's a very troubled personality. And, you know, he goes quite... Bananas. He goes picking up spears and trying to stake people, shish kebabs. He's not in a good place. And uh, the young musician David is brought into the court to play on his instrument. And the Bible says that when he would play, listen to this, that the evil spirits would leave Saul. There's something about worship that changes it for other people as well. This is, a, this is part of our responsibility. When you come into the house of the Lord and you get out of yourself, that, that's the first part, and you start lifting your hands, not because I feel like it, but because the Bible says it's a good thing to do. Hey, it's what kids do when they see their mum walking, isn't it? It's, it's a natural response. It's surrender. It's care. When you lift your hands, the Bible says shout to the Lord. Again, it's not an option. All the people says enter into his gates with thanksgiving. When we do these things, it will bless the socks off you, but it will change the people around you as well. That's what it's about, is that not only that I get blessed, but the people around me get blessed, that people get saved, that people get delivered, that people get healed. And I will give you this just for the blah, blah. essentially one of the major malaise that the Western world is facing today is uh, anxiety become a plague within our society worry it's saying it's up to almost two out of four people now have either got to take medication they can't sleep they've got eating disorders you know it's either one to four but it's creeping up there's so much worrying in our society today And here's the deal. You'll either be a worshipper or you'll be a warrior. You'll either be a worshipper or a warrior. A worshipper, their heart's default setting is, God, you're wonderful. God, you're in control. God, you are the first and the last. You're my sure. It's focused upon God. And when you focus upon God, all the troubles in your life don't seem that big. The more you worship and focus upon God, the more you find that I don't need to worry about those things. I can cast my cares and all my burdens upon God. But if you're not a worshipper, then your default setting will be a warrior. Being a warrior is really a sign that you think you're God. Mm. Because if I worry enough about this, I can fix it. 
if I worry enough about this, I'll be able to be clever enough to figure out how to get out of this issue. If I worry enough about this, I will be the person who will be able to be the genius and make it all happen. When we worry, I'm not talking about godly concern over something, but when we're fretting over something, obsessing over it, essentially we're saying, God, I'm the one in control. Well, there's only one person in control, and his name is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one true God. So here's my question for you today. Don't be a worry, be a worshipper. Do you believe that God has done all he can to meet with you today? Thank you, Dale. Really appreciate you coming. Do you believe God has done everything he can today to meet with you? Do you think that he has opened up a new living way? Do you think that the veil that used to separate humans, sinful human beings, from a holy God. Do you think the veil has been torn? Do you think that God has come to earth in the person of the Holy Spirit? So, if you walk out of this place today and you do not have a face-to-face encounter with God, is it God's fault? Wow. I'm so impressed with you guys. But that's the truth, isn't it? God has done everything He can. And if we've just got to have the right symbol for you to get holy, if we've just got to have the right singer for you to have those goosebumps lined up down the back of your spine, <laughs> you know, or if I've got to be wearing the white tie for you to feel you know, like you want to worship God, something's wrong. Can I say to you in all kindness that the God of the universe, the infinite, self-disclosing, self-revealing, Self-loving God wants to meet with you face to face. He wants to talk to you. He wants to tell you about what to not worry about. He wants to tell you about your future, the plans he has. He wants you. Doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) But he wants you. Isn't that an amazing thing? And he's given us principles and patterns and a lay down in the Bible as to how that happens. We do have to go from the physical realm into the soul realm and in the spirit realm. But if you love Jesus, most of it comes down to, God, even if I don't feel like it, I'm going to bring the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of my lips. And I'm going to continue to lift you up. And as I lift you up, somehow I get lifted up. Isn't that fantastic? I lift God up and he lifts me up. And that's what we're designed to do and to be. So don't be a warrior. Be a worshipper in the name of Jesus. God is looking for worshippers. Are you ready to join the worship team? Are you ready to stamp and shout and holler and do all the things? It's always good to get feedback. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Well, we'll have the team up and we'll close. Uh, We'll sing um, Our God is Good. Guys have got a good rift on that one happening. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, take the hand of someone next to you. We're just going to pray. Uh, Father, Lord, uh, we've heard today from your word. We're thankful that, Lord, many years ago you had a conversation with a woman at a well. Lord, the fact is that woman was not in a good place. Lord, she was, uh, you know, in our sense, she was immoral. She was in a de facto relationship. Her life's a mess. She's a social outcast. Lord, she's a Samaritan. Lord, she actually fails probably most tests. And yet, Lord, you said that you're looking for her. 
The Lord, as she began to push back on you, saying, you know, worship should be this way or that way, you went straight to the heart of the matter. And you just said uh, that you're looking, the Father's looking even now for worshippers who worship in spirit and in truth. Lord, we do ask that you'd help every one of us, Lord, to understand that, Lord, it's your intention, Lord, just not on Sunday, but, Lord, every day of the week, every time. Lord, you want to bring us into relationship where there's revelation, where you reveal more of yourself to us. And, Lord, we fall, as a result, deeper in love with you. Lord, then you show more of yourself, and then we have better understanding. And, Lord, we fall more deeply in love with you. Father, help us to be those who are responsive. I pray, Lord, that the church of Jesus Christ will wake up to the majesty of our God. Lord, you are worthy of all our praise. So, dear Jesus, I pray that you make this a worshipping, praising congregation in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Fantastic. God bless you. Let's stand, shall we?